Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. That's Harvard Western Insurance. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have an update on grain prices from Johnson's Grain Marketing. Prices are strong right now, but there is some uncertainty. We have a presentation from the Canadian Cattlemen's Association about greenhouse gas emissions and livestock. CN Rail enjoys its 14th consecutive month of record-setting grain movement, and we hear about moving grain to the U.S. South Coast. We also talk with the Provincial Crop Specialist in Kindersley about seeding in west-central Saskatchewan. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazeng Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazenk 306-721-6667. Grain prices remain buoyant this week. Alan Johnson at Johnson's Grain Marketing says there is good demand for grain right now. Well, grain prices are still remaining remaining quite firm. Like we've got twenty five dollar flax, we've got high canola prices. Uh, we were trading wheat, or you call it feed wheat, or just a good number one wheat at nine dollars picked up in lots of locations. That's kind of a spotty deal. We can get it some days, some days we can't get it, but that's as high as it got nine dollars bob farm, and we've done our share of that in the last week here. And uh, you know, canary seed, like I said, thirty four, thirty four and a half cents. And I always like to point out on canary seed, you guys have to know that canary seed is not covered by the Grain Commission. So if you sell to someone, like it's happened in the last couple of three years, to bonded companies that go down, the Grain Commission does not cover canary seed. That should be well known and put in the back of your mind. I don't know why it isn't. It doesn't really make sense, but that's the fact of it as it is right now. Now, peas are, uh, green peas, there's a little life in them again, but not very much, you know, nine and a quarter, nine fifty. Sometimes a little higher than that. It just depends on location or freight and who the buyer is. Uh, yellow peas, uh, there's demand for all of these things right now. Lots of demand for feed wheat, feed barley, feed of any kind, because, you know, we're, we're in a dry, dry situation, as you know, Jim, and, and uh, lots of these feedlots are still feeding lots of cattle and lots of pigs and lots of everything. These animals still have to eat, even though we're going into a drought and the crop is, uh, you know, the the uh, supply of grain is not out there. We still have to feed these animals. So I don't know where to go through from here. It's just there lots of demand for everything. If you've got some grain left, you want to move it. I'm certainly not going to give any advice if you should sell or hang on because no one knows and we have not known for the last six months. In fact, people most of all 
hardly ever know what to do, sell or hang on. But over the last six months, we've had a huge increase from 10 to 70, 80% on some grains or even higher. So that's about it in a nutshell, Jim. It's a, it's a very good situation if you're a seller. If you're a buyer feeding animals, it's a not a good situation, but uh, that's the reality. It is what it is, as they say. How do lentils look right now? Well, lentils are remaining quite strong. Uh, some guys are still extremely bullish. They they got to the point where they wanted 30 cents for red, and they wanted 40 cents for greens, and those numbers were showing up, and people still were not selling. Like They're just bullish because of this continuing rain or continuing lack of rain and moisture. Guys have changed their attitudes on their trigger prices. They're just not not wanting to sell. They don't know what to do here going forward. If we if we don't get some rain, this thing, situation gets worse and worse. And the worst thing about the moisture, Jim, it's it's throughout Western Canada and way down into the states. So it's not just a localized thing. It's almost like a heat say it like a dirty thirties thing, where it's everywhere. Crops are starting to come up. Maybe we get some green in the area and get some things happening. They're talking about a rain this weekend and maybe some snow. It doesn't matter what form it comes in as long as we get some moisture as long as it's not too cold but 30 above today when i was driving around and uh, hot and windy so we need moisture the crops are going in very fast i heard the other day last week 38 percent done that's way ahead of normal and i imagine we had a big jump on those numbers over the weekend so the crop is going to get in the ground very quick hopefully we can get it in in the next week and get a big two three day rain that's that's what i'm hoping for as everyone else is how's mustard doing Mustard, well, it's still remaining hot. New crop and old crop, like all these grains, are the same picture there. There's just lots of interest in the old crop because there's there's a shortage of everything. And people are wanting to book new crop. And farmers are just reluctant to book any more acres. We did a lot of new crop acres on lots of different things, including flax. But that thing is dried right up, again, because it is dried right up. And people just don't want to commit to, even with an act of God, they're just scared to commit to grain right now. They're just They're just sitting and waiting, and I cannot blame them one, one bit. Alan Johnson operates Johnson's Grain Marketing in Welwyn. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca and Co-op Hale Insurance. They've been there for farmers for over 75 years, and they'll be there for you. The Commons Environmental Committee is continuing to review the government's Bill C-12, that's part of the Liberal government's plan to satisfy Canada's obligations under the Paris Agreement in setting up a framework for reducing greenhouse gas emission targets in the coming decades. One of the presenters this week was Dr. Reynold Bergen, who's part of the Canadian Beef Research Council and the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. He's part of, here's part of his submission to the federal committee this week. The beef industry is a hidden gem when it comes to Canada's environment. Beef production is one of the best tools that Canada has to reach our shared conservation and climate change goals. When we talk about zero net zero emissions, it's important to recognize where beef production fits into Canada's climate change picture. The emission intensity of Canadian beef is about half the global average, and we're continuing to improve. Our uh, per kilogram greenhouse gas footprint dropped by 15% between 1981 and 2011, and that happened because Canada is a world leader in research and because Canada's farmers and ranchers are adopting the improved animal and plant health, nutrition and genetics practices and technologies that research generates. 
reducing consumption of Canadian beef would be detrimental to Canada's net zero emission goals. And here's why. Beef contributes 2.4% to Canada's total emissions. But emissions are only one side of the carbon ledger. The other side of the ledger is the soil carbon that's stored in grasslands. Canada's ranchers steward 44 million acres of grasslands, which are a stable store of 1.5 billion tons of carbon. Reducing beef production and consumption would mean that privately owned grasslands would be converted to other agricultural uses. Cultivating Canada's remaining grasslands would release much more soil carbon into the atmosphere than we would ever save from reduced cattle emissions. That's Dr. Reynold Bergen with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your RealAgriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. We're now going to hear a conversation that I had with Shane Thomas of Upstream Ag. Now, how does this sort of tie in at all to what we're hearing from some of the crop protection manufacturers when it comes to like outcome-based pricing? Um, does, does this kind of data science, do these two things kind of tie together a little bit? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you talk to some of the insurance groups that uh, really understand underwriting, and that's getting way outside of my my area of expertise, but if you talk to a lot of these these groups, they will say that, you know what, these smaller, shallower type of products are, are maybe a more viable way because you can control the data, you can understand the data, and you can underwrite it more confidently uh, to offer these sorts of, of products. Whereas when you get into outcome, uh, it's still possible, and there's groups doing it today, Growers Edge, uh, not the same as Farmers Edge, but a U.S.-based organization uh, is looking at, at doing these sorts of things where it is outcome-based, and you have uh, Climate uh, and, and the Bayer Group looking at, at doing it as well. And I think there is a lot of relation there when it comes down to it. It's the data and you're utilizing some of the data to be able to uh, gain a level of confidence in how certain you are of a specific outcome and what it's going to cost to underwrite that and, and offer a product in, in the marketplace. And so you look at some of these, you mentioned like a fusarium type of, of product. And, and I think lots of that will tie right back into the outcome of a fungicide, right? Where, you know what, you're probably going to have a better outcome when it's more, more humid, uh, less less hot, those sorts of things. And so uh, there's definitely a, a really direct tie, and I think they will feed into one another for sure. Do you Have you seen any data on how farmers feel about outcome-based pricing? Because uh, now was it, I think it was Bayer that had first said they were going to do some pilot project or a pilot project on this, and I, I saw the, some of the backlash on Twitter, people not very happy and felt the farmer was going to be put at a disadvantage. Essentially, the better that you do from a yield standpoint, the more you pay and, and vice versa. So ha- have you seen any recent uh, data on how farmers feel about this kind of system? No, I, I would have seen the same anecdotal stuff uh, yourself uh, seen on on Twitter and, and all that. And I think, you know, ultimately the, the outcome based is going to be, um, you know, I think the way where the backlash was coming from was some of these incremental costs and profit sharing is where I think there was a lot of those uh, 
those apprehensions. Whereas if you start to look at it from um, the cost reduction of, of a product where if you don't hit a, a certain level and it just minimizes your cost based on the amount of heat or rain or whatever, all of a sudden it, it's more in the in the farmer's favor. And I think there's some different ways to structure these these products that we will see companies exploring. And I'm cert, certain Bayer and, and those groups are, are looking at it, at it today because I still think when it comes down to some of the biggest challenges farmers face is just that upfront risk that they are taking all of the time with crop inputs and, and all these sorts of things. And so is there a way to manage things like fungicide outcomes or the use of seed treatment and, and these sorts of things where it's not necessarily profit sharing in, in the upside, but um, helping to get more farmers utilizing these products because the companies know that they they work and they're generally speaking going to have a positive outcome with them. And so sometimes it might just be this uh, reduction of upfront costs that uh, are played more more uh, to start to try and get uh, farmers trying it, seeing what they how they feel and seeing what it looks like. Where do you think we're at in the kind of the product life cycle of precision egg? Um, from a like, are we at a are we kind of at a maturation point here? Do we need these kind of new products to sort of spur new interest uh, for people that aren't necessarily interested in like you know the variable rate being the the main product? Yeah, and I think it comes down to you have you have different types of, of precision too, where you have this precision fertilizers, how we all tend to think about a variable rate, uh, nitrogen and, and those sorts of things. But then if you look at, uh, you know, I think you guys had Tom Wolf on the something the other day, it was yesterday. The agronomist last it, night. The yep. agronomist, yeah. And uh, he's obviously exceptionally intelligent when it comes to, to all this stuff, but you have precision spray applications now. And, and so uh, where you can, uh, again, this is still coming, but you have the, the weed it's and you have precision AI who just raised money this week. And you have the John Deere's and all these different groups that are looking at uh, offering these precision spray application tools that uh, I think are potentially going to get some uptake. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy, 60% chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm. Wind south 30, the high today 30 degrees, the low 9. Wednesday, clearing near noon, wind west 30, the high tomorrow just 20, the low plus 5. Thursday, cloudy, 30% chance of showers, the high 8. Thursday evening, 60% chance of rain showers or flurries, the low plus 1. Friday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high plus 5, the low plus 1. Saturday, partly cloudy, 30% chance of rain showers or flurries, the high 10, the low plus 4. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 16, 30% chance of evening showers, the low 7 degrees. Monday, partly cloudy, 40% chance of showers, the high 18. Normal high for this date, 20, the normal low is 5. The sun rose at 5.06 this morning. It sets at 8.43 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, Nipawin at 30 degrees. The cold spot up way up north, Collins Bay at minus 2. Estevan is 27, Saskatoon 28, Swift Current 26, Weyburn and Yorkton 27. 
Regina, sunny and 29, that's 84 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south at 33. Humidity, 31%. The barometer dropping 100.2. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 29. Winds are from the west at 15. Once again, Regina, sunny and 29, that's 84 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. CN Rail recently outlined its grain movement by rail from Canada into the New Orleans area. But Director of Sales and Marketing David Shednovic first provides an update on Western Canada grain movement for the crop year to date. CN achieved record grain movement via carload for Canadian grain for a 14th consecutive month in April, shipping over 2.9 million metric tons compared to the previous record of 2.82 set last April. Crop year to date through April, CN moved over 25.6 million tons of grain and processed grain products via carload. 17% higher compared to the previous record pace of 21.9 million tonnes back in 2018-19. Containerized grain movement direct from Western Canada was also on record pace crop year-to-date through the end of April at over 860,000 metric tonnes shipped, with grain in Eastern Canada shipped by a container in addition to that. Shednovic outlined the path of a Canadian grain train from central Illinois to the New Orleans area. Well, let's kick it off somewhere between Gilman and Champaign, Illinois. That's where we have a number of grain unit train loaders located. Of course, it all starts with spotting an empty unit train at a grain elevator, but leading up to that, through the loading process, there's a lot of back-and-forth communication and coordination between the loader, the party that's buying the grain from the loader, and CN. There's the anticipated time that the train will release loaded, and the ability of that train to move once loaded and released involves taking the situation at the destination terminal into consideration, along with network fluidity between the origin and destination and all points in between. There's other grain trains pointed at the destination as well to take into consideration. In this case, we're running to the Gulf. There are multiple grain export terminals to consider. All of those factors are going to influence the ability of that train to move. Once CN has an indication of the loaded release time, the local operations team lists the local crew to go up to the elevator and get the train ready to move. The train may be brought into the terminal for a fresh crew, depending on a traffic lineup going down south to Champagne sub. When the train gets to the Edgewood, Illinois cutoff, we have the Centralian Blueford sub and we usually run loaded trains down the Blueford. We have the Cobden Hill to contend with on the Centralia sub, so it's an easier pull down the Blueford. But in a pinch, if there was a disruption, we could use the Centralia sub. The two main lines come back together at Fulton, Kentucky. From Fulton, the train gets recrewed, and from there we head to Memphis. Depending on what the situation is in the pipeline at Memphis, Tennessee, or at Jackson, Mississippi, and depending on the situation down in the Gulf, we may need to hold that train to manage traffic flow. CN Rail has made improvements at Fulton, Kentucky to fix rail cars, and he explains. So CN installed a drop table on the main line at Fulton back in 2018, and it's a big deal when it comes to efficiency and safety improvement. The Fulton drop table is very unique in that it allows for the direct change out of wheels on full-length trains coming back empty from the Gulf without having to switch out rail cars to a repair track. All that switching out of bad order cars chews up precious time and resources, and we want to minimize that. For the drop table was installed two years ago, Changing out defective wheels on coal, grain, and intermodal trains was labor-intensive and time-consuming. Today, wheel changes are done in less than half the time. 
If a defective wheel is found on a rail car, the whole train rolls over the drop table with the bad wheel stopping over it. Then, rather than lifting the car, the defective wheel is lowered into a pit on an elevator-like device and a new wheel is lifted into place. Way more efficient and the drop table does the manual work. This type of setup allows us to inspect and repair cars and unit trains more frequently than prior to the investment in the drop table, increasing reliability and safety. Less time spent changing wheels means more time for more inspections and other repairs as needed, as well as fueling the train. While the train's being inspected, the locomotives are also serviced in a true NASCAR-style plan. Shidnovix says Memphis, Tennessee is a main focal point for rail movement. South, he says the spillway bridge near New Orleans, Louisiana, is important and was rebuilt to improve traffic flow. He outlined CN Rail's 2020 capital program for Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Louisiana, totaling over $500 million. So between those five states and as part of CN's overall capital program of $2.9 billion in 2020, CN invested over $300 million in rail infrastructure projects in these states. That includes replacing 35 miles of rail, installing over 350,000 new ties, and rebuilding over 100 road crossing surfaces, along with maintenance work on bridges, culverts, signal systems, and other track infrastructure. Total infrastructure investment in the U.S. overall in 2020 for CN was over $550 million. David Shednovic is the Director of Sales and Marketing for CN Rail. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. Seeding is about 80% complete in West Central Saskatchewan. The Provincial Crops Extension Specialist in Kindersley, John Ippolito, Says crops are germinating, but will need rain shortly. We've had really good progress, I guess, best way to describe it. Probably at least in the neighborhood of about 80%. Uh, a lot of people indicate that sometime this week they'll actually be done feeding. And what are the main crops that have gone in? Doesn't look like the crop mix has really changed a whole bunch. So cereals will be a you know significant portion, as well as peas and lentils and uh, canola. For sure, those would be the kind of the crop mix that'll be growing here. How dry is it in the Kindersley area? Well, we haven't had significant moisture for at least six weeks, I would say. But we did have good snow cover all winter, uh, which all soaked in. So early seeded crops are actually emerging and look okay. This later seeding, the last little bits that are being seeded now, growers are indicating that they're seeding about as deep as they can and are seeding to moisture, but not really into moisture. So the surface is dry. Did some soil moisture probes here actually this morning, and there is about 12 inches of of depth of soil moisture. So there's a little bit underneath it to... uh, carry it once it gets up and going but it probably won't carry it for all that long so So you're hoping for moisture this week oh oh for sure yeah yeah because i think you know um, there was a concern that canola as an example may not even get seeded until it rained but it kind of you know from what i'm seeing and hearing I, i think most guys are putting the canola into the ground but are recognizing that in some cases, as they said, it's sitting on moisture, but not in moisture. So uh, we're definitely going to need uh, rain for that crop in particular. But you but you expect it to germinate? Um, yeah, from what I can see anyway. So, I mean, uh, a canola field I looked at 
a week ago uh, had been seeded. I'm not quite sure when, but it had been it was seeded when I looked at it last Monday. And there's the odd plant out of the ground this morning. So uh, in the last week, there has been emergence of some of the canola plants in that field. You know, definitely the surface is dry. So like I say, it's forced guys to you know seed as deep as they dare. And uh, uh, but there is a little bit of stored moisture thanks to the snow melt we had in the winter time. So, uh, so we've got a little bit to carry it for a short period of time, anyway. So, but definitely uh, wanting to see some rain because I don't think we're not seeing a lot of weed growth. So that's been one where guys have actually been, in some cases, kind of delaying weed control you know, prior to emergence as long as they can with the idea that if we do see some, even some showers, uh, we'll probably see a fairly significant growth of weeds come quite quickly. John Ippolito is the Provincial Crops Extension Specialist in Kindersley. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork. Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more, visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were showing upward movement in early trading today. Canola gained $45 at 8.9337. Number 1 red spring wheat went up $3.08 at 30125. The rest were unchanged. Durham $290.27. Feed barley 294.68. Flax $712.63. Lentils $770.50. Oats 20953. Yellow peas 383.70. Feed wheat, $238.84. The Minneapolis spring wheat July futures are down a half cent at seven fourteen and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of May 18th. The market had picked up a couple cents again. Barbecue season is here. D1 and D2 cows sold from 93 cents to $1.03. D3 cows sold from 80 cents to 93 cents. Counter cows sold from 60 cents to 70 cents. Heiferettes sold from $1.12 to $1.30. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.15 to $1.35. There weren't enough steers to establish an accurate price quotation, but there were a few heifers. 500 to 550 pound heifers averaged $1.69 and sold it to $1.80. 550 to 600 pound heifers averaged $1.63 and sold it to $1.78. This has been Stephanie Day reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 8,000 hogs Monday. Selling a range of 233 to 249 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,200 head. Selling a range of 234 to 249 per CKG. Ham's number one sales this week are down and selling in the range of 57 to 64 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is up and four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is up 19 basis points with a daily exchange rate at 1.2081. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 82.80 cents U.S. 
Daily U.S. cash markets are mixed, with the negotiated Western Corn Belt region down 9 cents U.S. 100 weight. The national base regions continue to make incremental gains and are higher by 45 cents and 40 cents for the national and national cutout adjusted regions, respectively. Cutout values compiled by the USDA continue to see gains, except for the brief retraction seen a couple weeks ago. Since then, the net primal values have recovered and are now at the highest levels for this marketing week. The trend in the value of the cutout has been decisively higher as the trend since the beginning of the year. Exceptional demand in the U.S. domestic market is largely responsible for the strength, as pork processors refocus on shifting back toward the food service sector in anticipation of strong demand once businesses are opened up en masse. Lean hog futures are seeing some strength, but have not yet recovered from the losses seen last week, when a notable correction materialized. Nevertheless, values remain amid record high levels to the end of the year. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. And SMHI, landowners, SMHI provides continuous coverage at cost. Contact your RM office today. Municipal Hale, farmers, insuring farmers. The latest housing starts for April in Saskatchewan show signs of economic recovery in the province. Urban housing starts rose over 113% year-over-year, the second highest percentage growth among the provinces. Nationally, housing starts are up 63%. In the first four months of this year, urban housing starts in Saskatchewan rose 101% compared to the same period last year, second among the provinces. Trade and Export Development Minister Jeremy Harrison says strong growth in economic indicators like housing starts, manufacturing sales and job growth show Saskatchewan continues to lead the nation in economic recovery from the pandemic. Housing starts more than doubled for single-family dwellings with an increase of 160% and by 86% for multiple units. The growth in housing starts reflects the large increase of 8,700 new jobs in construction this April compared to last year. On the markets, the TSX is up 36 points at 19,510. The Dow has fallen 70 points at 34,257. Oil is down $1.17 at 65.11 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is unchanged at 82.63 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.